right now on the Ringer Gambling Feed and all throughout the entire month of August, the East Coast Bias Boys are getting you ready to bet the NFL this season. We're going through each and every single division and revealing our favorite futures, predicting division winners, and even giving you some award winners. Do we think the Kansas City Chiefs will repeat or will they be dethroned? Tune in now to find out on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. It's the Ringers Philly special presented by FanDuel. The playoff action is heating up, and with FanDuel, you can bet on everything from the NBA Finals MVP to who's going to lift the Stanley Cup. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub, filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page, plus start betting on the pulse and get paid instantly when you win. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus, 18 plus in D.C. and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with a personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Welcome to the Ringers Philly Special. Sheil Kapadia here, joined by Benny Souls, Ben Solak, and Ace Producer Cliff Augustine. We made it. It's week one. We have an Eagles game in what five days? Eagles go to Foxborough to take on the Patriots. We're gonna do a little old school. We'll call it a Tuesday ten. We don't want to wait till Thursday. Why wait till Thursday? We, we, we don't need. We don't. We don't have to like review the film from the previous week. Let's just get it out there. We're gonna take your questions. We're gonna talk about this Eagles Patriots matchup. We're gonna tell you what our final predictions are for the Eagles this season. Benny Souls, you told me. You, I mean, you always still have takes left. It doesn't matter, right? I, I feel like I'm sort of out of takes. I'm repeating stuff. You've always got another one in your pocket. Ask me, ask me anything about any of the players. Contavious Street's gonna have a breakout season. All right, uh, <laughs> I'm I'm super excited to see what. I'm trying to think of an offensive lineman. What uh, Tua Pena's got this year? No, I. Uh, this is why it's very important that you always have bits that can be changed based off the days of the week. Thursday ten, but also Tuesday ten. All right, this is pro That's podcasting. Right. Make sure you're alliterative. Sticks are versatile. There you go. Uh, and shout out to the teachers. How about that? Let's start with saying shout out to the teachers. My girls go back to school today. Uh, it's very strange. You know, you two might find out one day you just send your kids off. They leave for like, you know, six, seven hours. Then they come home, you hang out with them. And then like three months later, they can do all these things that you're like, wait, hey, you can read all of a sudden. Ooh, you can spell words. What's going on here? So no, mm-hmm. I know a lot of people are back to school this week. If you're a teacher listening, thank you. 
Hopefully we make your commute, your walk, your train ride, your sub subway ride uh, a little bit better. You promised me you were going to stop sucking up to my family. That's right. The sole multiple my, teachers. My or? mom. My mom's mom a teacher, and sister, right? And my sister okay. is a teacher now. Uh, uh, my sister is not teaching this year because she's expecting a kid any day now, which we're very excited. Oh, about. And, congratulations, and, Uncle Benny Soul! Yeah, and mom. Right. And obviously, mom's got you know week one of school coming up, but she's dipping pretty pretty quick after <laughs> intro day. She's sent out a visit, uh, and so yes, but no, two teachers love teachers in our family. My dad used to teach. Um, so yeah, yeah. Again, you promised me you were gonna stop sucking up to my family. Well, all the texts I get now in the family group chat. Just started listening. Shiel said the Jets are gonna be good. Oh, just caught the new pod. Shiel likes the Steelers. Enough of the pandering. Enough. Well, listen. That was uh, I said I would stop sucking up on extra point taken, which of course everyone. Big news. You can listen to that on the Ringer NFL feed twice a week twice this a week. year. Benny Souls and I will come to you Monday nights and Fridays twice a week. And so I said I would stop sucking up there, but on Philly special. I'm allowed to. Pitch so there you go. Up. Shout yeah. out to the teachers. Shout out to the Solak teachers. All right. Let's get to some of these questions. A lot of people, speaking of pandering, Ben, everybody's taken the hint and been like, we love you. You're handsome. Here's my question. So you're well doing done. a good job. I'm there not going to tell you to stop doing that. You should continue to keep doing that. Double uh, A says, greetings from Liverpool. Oh, love it. International listeners. Shout out to Liverpool. Apart from Jalen Hurts, is there anyone else on the roster whose long-term injury could derail the whole season, which got me thinking like we always do our top five most indispensable Eagles. And we didn't, that's like the one thing we haven't done yet this summer. So let's answer that question. But more importantly, who are the five Eagles other than Jalen Hurts who they can least afford to lose this year? What do you got? Okay. One. I'm doing it's it's tricky because like it should be one Darius Slay two James Bradbury, but I'm just going to do like, one Darius Slay and like implied James Bradbury on the back end of that because okay I think that your frailest position is outside corner right it was last year when it was Zach McPherson who was gonna be the first half of the depth chart now it's either Keely Ringo or Josh Job. either way it's just not a position where they're super uh, uh deep it's the position where I worry about uh, depth the most and obviously those guys are, are both over 30 and that's not really a position where the over 30s hang out too much and so to me, uh, that that's that number one spot is Darius Slay, kind of implied James Bradbury. Uh, number two, I would say, is Jason Kelsey. Kelsey, they use as a weapon. They use this guy literally as like a, 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 a feature of their running game, not just a good center, like a we can do this because we have Kelsey and you can't. And that's a lot harder to replace. Uh, like 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 Landon Dickerson, Cam Jurgens, you've got these guys in here, but like the unique skill talent, as opposed to like if a Lane Johnson goes down, who I have Lane on this list, but I think Lane's a little bit lower because I think you're able to just kind of plug and chug a backup right tackle in a little more successfully. Three for me is AJ Brown. I struggled with this one. I, I My first brush, I was going to have AJ Brown first. And then I really thought about like Devontae Smith and Dallas Goddard. And I was like, you know, like it'd be weird. Like the amount of personnel they have would be tricky. Like Devontae would get a lot of attention, but I still think like running game wise and they have enough talent in the passing game. Like I do think they could get it done. So I had AJ Brown first and I knocked him down to third. Watching your face now, I'm pretty sure you have AJ Brown first, and you think I'm. I've done. got him first. Yeah, I think you're done. Yeah, no, no, third. no, no. It was a hard exercise. I mean, yeah. I wrote down seven names, uh, and I was like, "How do I? What order do I want to put them in?" Uh, I do have AJ Brown first. It's just hard for me. Like he just answers. He solves so many problems for them. Third mm-hmm. down, slant, downfield, 
red zone. Like, you know, just who, who is the guy making defensive coordinator sweat on a Monday or Tuesday? What's our plan for this guy? It's just hard for me to envision a scenario where they get to the Super Bowl where A.J. Brown suffers like a season-ending injury. So that's why I had him first. I mean, and I think the point about being thin at corner also does kind of apply there. I mean, it does. It does. Like, who else are you running out there? I mean, you're doing what? Two tight end sets. You're going Zacchaeus. You're going Quest Watkins. Uh, I love Devontae Smith and Dallas Goddard, so I'm not telling you their offense would suck all of a sudden. But uh, that's. I just felt like, man, that that would that would be a hard pill to swallow. The offense wouldn't be as good. No, I, I, I the the wide receiver depth is concerning. The 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 thing that made me feel a little bit better about AJ Brown is just the fact that when you have an issue at wide receiver. Use your tight ends, Dallas Goddard. Use your backs; they have a lot. Can uh, uh, Gainwell, Penny, uh, uh, Swift, and you you find ways to move the ball that doesn't rely on the running game, the passing game as much. You lose your corner, <laughs> not much you can do. You can't, you can't hide them. Yeah, we just choose to play run defense now. Like you don't get to make that decision because <laughs> you're on defense; it gets dictated to you. Uh, and so that's that's what kind of split that for me. Uh, so yeah, I had AJ Brown at three. I think AJ Brown at one totally makes sense. Like I said, my first pass, I had him there. Uh, four for me is Lane Johnson. Uh, Lane's the best right tackle in the game. It's very challenging to replace one of your tackles and feel okay in pass protection, continue to do everything that you were planning on doing otherwise. Five for me is Jordan Mailata. He's one of the best left tackles in the game. It's very hard to lose one of your tackles. And then critically, um, they really like Fred Johnson, right? Uh, excited about how he's developed, how he's come along. But they don't really like actually have a clear left tackle backup like when driscoll had to step in it was his first time doing it i'm sure they've they've gotten him more prepped for that now that andre dillard is out the building but we really like like we know that driscoll can hang a guard we've seen him be fine at right tackle we've seen him keep his head above water at left tackle but that's his biggest question mark as the eagles swing guys left tackle and then fred johnson we just haven't seen actually like have to play legitimate snaps against starters uh, consecutively so they're they're thinner at backup left tackle than they have been in years right like the entire jason peters end of that era was Okay, well, we gotta make sure our left tackle two is really good because this is Jason Peters, right. and they had Dillard, and then they had Mylotta, and then they had both of them together, and Peters was gone. This is the thin, thinnest they've been at left tackle in a while, uh, and so Mylotta got in my five spot accordingly. Yeah, I have AJ Brown. Then honestly, you could convince me either way with Lane Johnson or Kelsey. I had them uh, two and three. Actually, I mean Lane Johnson's out there, and you just don't have to worry about it. Like whoever yeah. he is blocking is probably is like almost one hundred percent not going to have a sack this game. Like a luxury that we probably take for granted. Even if you like a backup, and you're right, like their backups are okay. They have options, but no one who you would feel nearly as uh, as good about. And then Jason Kelsey, I was kind of like, well, Cam Jerkins could play there, but now you're moving your you know your starting right guard, so it's a different story. So I could go either way with Lane Johnson. Or Kelsey, and if I'm allowed to cheat like you, then I can just say starting cornerback four, and then my lot of five. So uh, that's kind of how I had it. I mean, if you make me pick a corner, I would say Slay over Bradbury, even though Bradbury was also great last year. The other guy who probably who definitely deserves a mention is Hassan Reddick. Uh, you know, you, yes, you still have uh, Josh Sweat. You have Brandon Graham, but he's older. You have Nolan Smith, but he's a rookie. And uh, Reddick was just a you know a consistent player for them, big time producer now three years in a row. So I think he's another guy uh, that definitely deserves a mention. I generally lean more towards offense uh, than defense yeah. specifically with this team. Cause I think they can have, if they have a top five uh, offense and like the 22nd ranked defense, I think they can still uh, get to the Super Bowl. So thank you. Double A Liverpool. Do you have like a, like a premier league team or no? Do you do that? Solak or no? So last, last season I, I, I said, I was going to really 
work hard at, at rooting for a Premier League team and getting into it. And then I never got, got a little busy. Uh, I really want to. I want to get into it. I want to pick a team. And I kind of do, team. too. Yeah. yeah. A lot of the kids at, in my church school class are big EPL fans, which is fun because they're stuck in a church school class at like 9 a.m. in the morning on a Sunday and they don't have a phone and I do and I know the Liverpool score and they don't. And I have a good time with that. So I feel like I need to get get a team to kind of get the full buy-in. Um, but I, I haven't got my, my back into it yet. Zolak needs a, an EPL team to antagonize. <laughs> to, <laughs> to antagonize the middle schoolers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Otherwise, they, they beat up on me too much. I got to balance the scales here, right? There you go. Uh, yeah. So I feel like people have suggested some to us in the past, at least definitely in my, I feel like I say this once a year, I would like a team and I would like to get into it. I'm with you. Now the time doesn't seem right. I think there will be a time in my life where those mornings are uh, less busy and I can get into it a little bit more. So feel free to suggest a, a Philly special EPL team if you want. All right. Question number two, friend of the pod, one time co-host of the pod with you, BLG chiming in. What is Ben most likely right and most likely wrong about ahead of the 2023 season. Now, I didn't want to be mean. I mean, you can answer this for me as well. I'll answer it for you. Uh, related, I saw you having a little back and forth with friend of the pod, Dayniz, who said, who is most likely to be this year's TJ Edwards, the player who Ben insists weekly is not good enough to be playing, probably not, but not necessarily due to not having liked him in college, even though he is clearly playing well. Go ahead. I went real quick. Denise, Denise, my boy. <laughs> I was very clear very early last season. <laughs> TJ Edwards has gotten lighter. TJ Edwards has gotten faster. TJ's playing better. Someone in the comments of that said, like, I would have thought that's Marcus Epps. Marcus Epps is a fair one. I was never back on board with Marcus Epps. <laughs> Edwards last season, I very quickly was like, hey, TJ looks good this year. This is a much better TJ than we're used to seeing. Um, but also right. point, point taken. Yeah, I do tend to pick a couple guys and pick on them. <laughs> I know Dayniz is not afraid to review the tape, so he, I think he will Dayniz review my that boy. Good guy. And, le and let us know clearly whether that's the case or not. All right, Mo what I think you're most likely going to be wrong about, Solak, and the listeners will not like this, is that the Eagles are going to have a top five defense. I feel pretty strongly that they're going to regress. I feel like I maybe I went too far. I had them at 16th. I think they're going to be more mediocre. If you told me they're going to have a top 10 defense, uh, I would say, okay, yeah, I think that's in the range of uh, possibilities. I don't think they're going to have a top five defense. Again, I'm wrong often. So, you know, if I'm wrong there, the listeners will be happy and you will be correct. Uh, what you're most likely right about, I've taken the other side of this. I think there could be a scenario where you're saying, Sheila, I told you, like, Steichen was good with his... He hedges. He and, hedges in the yeah. last preseason no, five. No, 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 no. I'm still, I'm still going strong. Shane Steichen is not Vince Lombardi, but believe me, I think Brian Johnson's going to be five. I am on record. I think it's going to be a top five offense. However, if I'm wrong and you're right, you know, I had to pick something. I think that's what you would be right about. So there you go. Okay. Uh, I think if you are wrong about something, it's this Jalen Hurts is going to lead the league in completion percentage prediction. Eh, which that you, was a big swing. Come on. Yeah. That's a very big okay, swing. Okay. It yeah. is a big swing. I'm, I'm most likely going to be wrong about that. Yeah, it is a big swing. Putting the Eagles in the top five defense was not a small swing. Uh, but I, here's the thing. You piloted that take on the show. We discussed <laughs> it. I thought I moved you off it. And then I clicked <laughs> ringernfl.com today. Check out Shield Kapadia's bull predictions for the season. What do I see in there? Jalen Hurts going to lead the league in completion percentage. But I, I thought, like, that's, that's what the pod's Listen. for. We pilot these. We talk through it. Now you don't have to put it in writing. You just put it in a podcast. Nobody knows it lives there. 
Listen, as one of our uh, very wonderful colleagues reminded me uh, last week, predictions are about having fun, you know, throwing out some takes, stirring up some conversation. Right. You know, he said, he said, you're not going to be fired if your predictions are wrong. Don't worry. You know, think outside the box. Uh, do something is so I do feel like I always in my 10 predictions like to include something Eagles related and so I thought you know what that one I don't think anyone else is going to have this prediction right if I'm right you look like a genius and if he's like ninth in completion percentage no one's going to be like you moron now if he's like 24th then yes yeah, someone might be like uh, you moron. So I wanted to get the point across that I think Jalen Hurts still has room to improve, that he's looked very good as a passer to me and the practices I've been to uh, this summer, and that I think he's going to have a monster season. So there were different ways for me to uh, express that, and I thought, you know what? This is a good way to take a swing. Yeah. All right. The one I think you're right about is the defense, just where like I had them as a top five unit. I still think that like they're, they're going to be a really good unit. The thing that you brought up when we talked about that defense that I didn't give enough credence to was the fact they had all 11 starters for the Super Bowl. I forgot like just how not injured that team was. And when you go back and you look, like I was doing some some X Factor stuff for my my preseason piece that's coming out later this week. You go back and you look okay. like nice plug. What day can people check that out? You can, uh, you probably probably Wednesday tomorrow. I think it it, it, okay. it depends when it comes goes through the hopper. Uh, uh one of the things that that you adjust. Like your mind doesn't adjust for it, right? Especially that that those injuries, but then also like, okay, uh, Marcus Epps, T.J. Edwards, Kaiser White, like they're losing this this talent. I don't particularly think like a lot of these players are impact players, whatever. But then you start to figure out the cumulative number of snaps that are departing, and it's like four thousand, and you're like, oh wait, right? Like there's just so much less stability than there was last season coming into this season. And so I wouldn't be surprised if there are games in which the Eagles look like a top five defense and perform like a top five defense. But yeah, like they 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 just get a little bit of less injury luck. They're probably not going to actually level out that over the course of the season. And so you were you uh that was when where we discussed on the podcast. I changed my mind on that one. I was like, oh, you're right. She's making some good points. See, I'm I'm a flexible guy, she <laughs> And you're like, why didn't you for <laughs> your uh, Jalen Hurts take? Uh, to answer Dayniz's, I don't I don't think this one probably fits, but I do feel like. I see more in Reed Blankenship, so I could see myself giving you a hard time about Reed Blankenship throughout the season. Where I'm like, no, no, this guy is a good player, and you're like, right. eh, he's okay. I could I, see that. I, I haven't know. like the the thing is like Dainis's question is basically like, who's the player who like for the third year in a row, Ben's like Eagles fans, this guy's not as good as you think. Reed hasn't been playing long enough. Like, like I, I okay. like, you know, we don't even know who would about fit. Reed. I don't know who would fit. Yeah, there's there's no like obvious. Guy I, if I had to guess right now where there's going to be a, a player who like he's going to have good games and it was like, woo, I'm like, this isn't real. It's going to be DeAndre Swift. We're like Swift's going to get like, oh, interesting. Well, he's going to get like eight carries for like 60 yards and a score and like two catches for 27 yards. It's going to be like, oh, DeAndre Swift was the starting back and he produced. He's like, look at the polls. Like, look at it. He's not like he's just the guy who's out there right now. Like this, this <laughs> offense works independent of it being DeAndre Swift. And then all of a sudden he'll go down. For a couple of weeks, Kenny Gamer will come in and produce exactly the same. Uh, I like that one. Although those numbers, I think most people, yes, would be happy with if DeAndre Swift put up those numbers. Yeah. I think the other guy, but I actually don't think you'll be on an island with this because I think I will be on the island with you potentially, would be if people are getting really hyped about like a Sidney Brown because we talked about this before. Mm -hmm. He has like some big hits. He makes some plays. But whoa, if you like, you know, if not to be if right. you watch the film guy, but if you watch the film, it's like, no, no, no. Like this was very close to being very bad for uh, Sidney Brown. There's so one other that. name that deserves to be mentioned here just because uh, 
another okay. another plug. Stephen Ruiz dropped his quarterback rankings on the ringer today. That name is Jalen Hurts. Where like it's very clear because Stephen has Jalen Hurts ranked like ninth. That if you put Jalen Hurts a couple of spots lower than Eagles fans would like, Eagles fans get really, 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 really upset. And I know this because all the Eagles fans are yelling at me for the fact that Stephen ranked him at ninth, and it's not my fault. Um, but yeah, like I think that Hurts had such a good season last season. He was fighting for MVP down the stretch. As Eagles fans should very well know, a guy could be top two for MVP voting, and then for whatever reason, his play can tail off the following season. Obviously, Wentz coming off of an injury, Hurts is, is, is fully healthy. Um, but like if Hurts starts to have a worse season than he did last season, which is not outside the realm of possibility, it's such a good season last year. Like he just regressed, come down a little bit. There's probably going to be some post game pods where you and I come in here and we're like, few bad plays from Hurts there. Like that made the difference. And then that does not go over well with some folks. <laughs> We shall see. Yeah, I, I would agree that that would, not, uh, that would not go well. All right. Question number three from Morgan. Hi, Sheil. Love the pod. See, there you go. Writing from Utah. I mean, we, we need to do a roll call. These locations are you? fantastic. We got Utah. We got Liverpool. How might Jalen Hurts, here we go, good segue, have developed differently if the Eagles didn't fire Doug Peterson? I thought this was a great question. Great question. Better, worse. No change. Would there be friction with him in Peterson's offense? Curious what you think. Uh, I can answer this one first, and then you can let me know what you think. I don't know if this is controversial or if this is what most people would think. I actually think he would have developed pretty much the same. Couldn't agree more. You agree. Okay. Yeah. If you're telling me the personnel around him is the same, uh, I think Peterson is a very good head coach. We kind of just saw that last year, and I think the Jaguars are going to be really good this year. I think Peterson can develop a young quarterback. You would still have Stoutland installing all the run game stuff, so that's not going to change. I don't think Peterson, I think one of his strengths is he's not like rigid. He's flexible. You could argue that he's almost too flexible, like he takes too many ideas from too many people, and it's like, no, no, stick to your convictions. Uh, You're the guy. You know, I thought there was some of that towards the end of his run, but I think he would take Stoutland's um, you know, advice with the run game. We know he's in on the RPO game, you know, RPOs, which uh, they run. Obviously, we know he's into taking one-on-one matchups when you have superior players. Like all the things that they kind of did last year, mm-hmm. those are things that Peterson likes to do. So the only thing I was thinking where maybe it's really hard to answer, like just Jalen Hurts's individual improvement when you look at like mechanics and just throwing the ball and how much better he's gotten from 2020 to 2022. But Hertz is such a self-motivated guy and he's doing so much work in the off season. Like, I don't know, he, he would never answer the question, but if you hooked up a lie detector test to him and we're like, who is most responsible for you getting better other than yourself? Like, is it your off season coaching? Is it Brian Johnson? Is it uh, Nick Sirianni? Is it Shane Steichen? Was it like, I don't know who they, what the answer is uh, there. So um, that's one where I could say, okay, Maybe uh, he's better now than he would have been under Peterson. But all the other stuff, I, I I think it's a fun what if. Because it's like, if the Eagles knew when they fired Doug Peterson, like if you told Jeffrey Lurie and Howie Roseman, just so you know, before you make this decision on the coach, know that your quarterback's going to be really good and you're going to be paying him 50, you're, you're going to have so much faith in him that you're going to be paying him uh, over $50 million per year in a couple of years. I kind of think they they don't fire Doug Peterson in that scenario. Like yeah. that was a reset moment and they're like, all right, let's reset, reset with the coach. But it turned out not to be that much of a reset moment. It was like the next year they were in the playoffs. Yeah, that's the 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 only way where I can talk myself into like there would have been a hiccup for Hertz 
is you get yourself into that 2021 season and assuming they they keep Doug, you're it's not like when Sirianni comes in and Steichen comes in and Brian Johns comes in. It's like new ideas. We're young, fresh staff. Let's figure this out. You try play calling. I'm going to try play calling. And there's a lot of like dynamic. We're going to be humble. We're going to figure this out together and everything. Instead, you have Peterson of like, I've had a bunch of OCs and guys and none of this has worked and this is stressful. And I have a relationship with Howie. And like, there's a way that just like, because things are a lot more frayed, there isn't the same degree of patience and experimentation as Hertz got with the young staff. And that's, part of the argument, right? That's part of like the, hey, like they moved on from Doug Peterson. And when they moved on from Doug, nobody was like, it's because he's a bad coach. There was some like, he's done not a great job over the last couple of years. Like here's been the issues right. and those were legitimate, but nobody was like, the Eagles got rid of a bad coach. They were all like, that something was not working for the Eagles. They needed a change. Doug takes the year off, goes to Jacksonville. And I think most Eagles fans were like, I hope this goes well for Doug. And then it went well for Doug. Right. And I think most no Eagles doubt. fans were like, yeah, it went well for Doug. Doug's a good coach. Like, 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 like stuff just frayed. And so if you had brought Doug Peterson year one into that Jalen Hurts season, I think you would have gotten right. Largely the same experiment, uh, experience of development and improvement, cool offensive stuff, bringing some college scheme that you got from Sirianni. Fundamentally, if anybody at any time was coaching an offense with the 2022 version of Jalen Hurts, A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, Dallas Goddard, this offensive line, and the offense wasn't good, that person would be a bad coach and Doug's not a bad coach. So too. you would, you would have yeah, gotten, you right. gotten good out of it. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. That's, that's uh well said. And sometimes like things get stale. Like you mentioned mm-hmm. so much of it is about relationships and that was definitely yeah. the case. I don't know. Uh, with why. Yeah. Thing I know it. you claim not to be an Eagles fan. I don't, uh, I don't know how other I'm Eagles not at all. And yeah, yeah, you know, and, and says people text me because Simmons says like on his podcast, he's like, I talked to our big Eagles fans, you know, Sheila and Solak. And my friends are like, why is he saying that? I'm like, listen, I don't know. I tell you, just listen to me. I'm telling you the truth, but go ahead. Uh, I don't know how other Eagles fans feel about this, but I personally love the fact that I can at any time claim Andy Reid and claim Doug Peterson. And I do regularly, right? Like I just, <laughs> both of those guys were great for Philadelphia. It ended for both of those guys under like tricky circumstances, but still like not like horrible circumstances, not terrible ones, right? It's not like Lions fans are claiming Matt Patricia, like no chance, right? Uh, and so anytime like good stuff happens for Doug and Andy, I'm like, yep, Philly boy, it's my Philly coach right there. I, I, absolutely, I do it. I love the, the just Eagles coaching tree out in, out in the world. I love it. You know what's interesting about Andy Reid? If you go to like his pro football reference page now, like it's so clear that he is at the end of his career, going to be known as like a, the Chiefs, like the Chiefs will be the first yeah. line in his Hall of Fame, you know, uh, induction speech in his bio, all that, which is so weird because he was in Philadelphia for so long. But like, you know, he he's going to have be have what top five, top three wins of all time. He actually has a chance to be uh, number one if he coaches for a long time and they keep just piling up 12 win seasons with Patrick Mahomes, but he's got multiple Super Bowls there. He's going to have more probably uh, with Mahomes. So yeah, that I wonder at what point in his like Hall of Fame bio that the eagle stuff actually comes up which is uh pretty wild to think about all right let's take a break we'll come back uh in a moment here get some more questions and i know cliff wants to do a little gannon watch for this episode all right we are back on extra point taken let's do one more uh after this question cliff let's get to a little uh little gannon watch we'll do after this uh this question and answer so you can get ready uh for that all right question number four Conan says, love the pod, gentlemen. Shout out from Ireland. Again, Ireland. Maybe I do the accent. Do the voice. Picking these questions. I, I can't do an Irish. Can you do an Irish? Irish. Love the pod, gentlemen. I think that's Scottish, oh. maybe. 
Oh, I thought that was all Donna right. from Ireland. Wasn't bad. Conan, uh, if you like that, good. If not, yell at Ben. Okay. Who leads the Eagles in receptions, yards, touchdowns, and sacks in 2023? Question. What do you got? When yeah. he said yards, did, do you think receiving yards or all-purpose yards? I thought, res- I, thought th- I, I took the first three receptions, yards, and TDs to be like, yes, pass catchers. Oh, I took overall offensive touchdowns. Not like oh, okay, not like not like Jalen Hurts throwing different. the ball, but yeah, yeah. So last year, Devontae Smith led the Eagles in receptions. I think he's going to do so again. Uh, they just use AJ Brown a little bit more for like deeper stuff and lower percentage stuff. AJ or excuse me, Devontae gets a little bit more of the high percentage stuff. I think that balance is going to stay the same. So I took Devontae uh, last year in terms of receiving yards. AJ Brown led because he gets the downfield stuff. I think that's going to happen again. I think the roles are going to stay the same. I agree. Touchdowns is interesting. Uh, A.J. Brown had 11 on the season last year. Miles Sanders had 11 rushing yards on the season last year with no receiving touchdowns. And then Jalen Hurts had 13 rushing touchdowns. Jalen Hurts was the Eagles' leading touchdown scorer. Wow, that's non Non-passing touchdown version. Uh, because of the rotation in the backfield, because of the many mouths to feed in terms of touchdowns like aj had 11 Devonte had seven but like dallas goddard had three dallas should probably have more touchdowns this year receiving wise um although i was looking at him like he's never had a lot like i think his yeah. his career high i want to say is five so i agree with you looking at it you're like he should have more but he's never really had that outlier season yeah. season i still think like i don't it's annoying to be chalky i'd be very happy to just like take aj brown to take aj brown but it's probably going to be hurts again like they're not going to stop sneaking and that's going to be the most, like, your most common red zone play is a short yarded run. And the Eagles short yarded run is with the quarterback, right? And that's not even including, like, he has scramble touchdowns, right? He has touchdowns from outside of the five where it's, it's either a designed QB, QB run where draw. he breaks tackle. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Or, it's, or it's an actual scramble. And so, uh, Hurt scored 13. I don't, like, it's, it's, it's very interesting. I would love to sit down and try to figure out how to handicap this market. Like, like what, who, who you would actually make the favor and what you would make the odds. I'm willing to take Hurts again. Uh, I think that that, that Hurts, they're just going to use that sneak so much. Um, and then Sacks, Josh Sweat. I think we've talked about this a little bit on the show. Yeah. Reddick had such a, uh, a, an impressive season. Reddick is so consistent. But Sweat's really coming around week over week. You expect defenses to give a lot of attention. Or excuse me, you expect offenses to give a lot of attention to Hassan Reddick. And so why not just, you know, let Josh Sweat have a little splashy 14 and a half sack season just for fun. Speaking of plugs, my trade value rankings come out on yeah. Wednesday on TheRinger.com. And... Pretty much every player you just mentioned is going to be on there. There's the Eagles have a very good roster. Josh Sweat was one guy. I'm like, wait, does Josh Sweat deserve to be on here? And I'm like, uh, 11 sacks last season, 26 years old, team friendly contract. Yes, like if, if you know Frank Clark for the Chiefs when they tra- when the uh, Seahawks traded him to the Chiefs, he got a first and a second for Frank Clark. Now that's a lot, but go look at Josh Sweat's numbers last year compared to Frank Clark Clark's uh, stats the year before he got traded. And uh, yeah, Josh Sweat absolutely is going to be on that list. So check that out on The Ringer on Wednesday. I don't really have anything different than you. I hate to be boring, but I think Brown will lead the team in receiving yards again because he doesn't need to have like, I mean, he will have a lot of volume, but he doesn't need to have wild volume because the guy averages like 16 yards per reception. I have Devontae Smith leading the team in receptions. I went with Devontae Smith leading the team in touchdowns. He had seven last year. A.J. Brown had 11. 
A.J. Brown had those where he's just dunking on guys in the end zone on plays where he's not even like the primary receiver and Jalen Hurts is like, yeah, I'll just throw it up and you can laugh at both these Steelers defenders uh, in the end zone. So maybe he has a couple fewer of those and Devontae Smith has a couple more of those. I wasn't really thinking about rushing um, so you could be right, but who cares? I'll, I'll, uh, I'll stick with Devonte Smith there. And then, uh, I've got sweat too. Reddick is chalk. I, you know, if, if you ask me who's the favorite, I think it'll be Reddick, but that's not really fun to say Reddick again. So, uh, I think Josh sweat will have a very good year and I will go with him. All right. Cliff, I've seen Cliff. He's got that. He's got the fire in his gut. I can see it in his eyes. Uh, he's just, you know, he's looking at his screens. He's setting up. He's saying his Gannon watch, uh, time. So Cliff, are you ready? for a little bit of Gannon Watch. Fellas, man, y'all know I was born ready for Gannon Watch. Y'all know what time it is. <laughs> <laughs> our boy our boy Johnny Gans is back at it, man. We got to play the sounder. All right. This is Gannon Watch. Watch. So I'm sure you've got... <laughs> I gave it. I gave it talk straight, but I'm sure you guys have uh, have seen the clip. But if not, let's let's play it for the world to hear. Welcome back. Who drove over here? Quick, let me see your hands. Who took the bus? Did you have fire in your gut? <laughs> Did you? We're here for a reason. Don't get that twisted. Okay, we're here for a reason to win games. So if you didn't have that fire in your gut, you better light the fire pretty fast. Be who you are. Just understand, I'm looking for killers. Yo, know, I can't even. I I really can't even get out of sense right now. I'm just like, can, I, Shil, can you give me? Can you give me your thoughts right away? Like, what? What do you just give me your thoughts on just that that clip alone right there? That I think that screams a one win season to me. That that's what that shows me right there. Yeah, like, who I've takes the him, bus? Maybe it too. Who takes the bus? I don't even know practice? what he means. Were you supposed to take the bus? Did it matter who took the bus? Here's, I, I mean, understand that part. Here's what he yeah, needs ahead, to know. Here's what he's here's what he's asking. Is he's saying, listen, just you know, uh, operations was asking me about kind of the amount of parking spots that we need uh, at the facility for practice, and so I just need to understand from everybody real quick. Who drives? Do, who, does anybody carpool? Does anybody drive in together? <laughs> who does anybody? Need, we need compact spots. Who's driving the big trucks? Oh, and also by the way. Here's a motivational speech. It's just the segue was the problem, right? They just they just cut it out of the promo clip. <laughs> I cannot take that individual seriously. <laughs> Yo, does that not scream one win or two I win can't. season? Like, if you if you see the you see James Conner's face right there, you saw Buddha Baker's face right there. Yeah. You saw Hollywood Brown's face with the hat on right there. He's just everybody's just sitting there like, this is really our coach. Like, this is who they really vetted and processed in order for us to actually put out a football team for this season. Like, I can't play for this guy. Like, listen, how how unmotivating was that? He's like, I need that fire in your gut if you took the bus here. Like, what is this elementary school? Is this is this kids going to high school practice after with the pads on the bus? Like, what is going on here? These dudes are professional <laughs> athletes with hundreds of thousands of dollars, if not millions of dollars in their bank account. Who the hell is taking the bus in Arizona? Like, is there even buses out there in Arizona? Like, I, I don't understand this whatsoever. Like, this, this guy is so she out of said, touch with reality. Cliff said, what is the public transportation situation in Phoenix? I need to this, know. How do people get around? Not, is, I believe out there, if, like, memory, if memory serves from the Super Bowl, I believe there is a if there I believe there is a robust train system. If if I recall correctly, might be making that up. 
No, I, I don't. T- I didn't take any public transportation in Phoenix. I didn't think there was uh, much around there. our hotel. There was there were there were railroads that we had to walk across. Uh, like when you were walking true. from the hotel to the convention center, there was that railroad. <laughs> Just, what are you talking about? Shit, we had like way at a stop sign. <laughs> you didn't get on a train though, did you? Yeah, you but I riding see a train it in the, got the tracks. <laughs> That could have been, you know, shipping trains. Like, uh, yeah, that's not that's not for individuals. Maybe they ship. The, I don't know. That they're shipping that many things in a downtown Phoenix. <laughs> the moral yeah, of the story. The moral of the story is this: cacti, Jonathan Gannon. Like, we can see you. Like, everyone can see this. <laughs> We're all. I just does he not like was? Does he not know? Like, I, I, <laughs> they, they, I we all like. You like we're talking to the Cardinals before the Super Bowl. You like complain about Philly media. Like we can only do the math. This is what it, like, like it's always okay. Fun to make fun of coaches, whatever. What always drives me crazy is when coaches like seem to not think that we can put stuff together. Which is like Gannon is just talking to his team and hyping them up. But you just want to be like like Gannon. Like we can like all see this happening. Like you have to know that like you did the pew pew rockets thing to Rondell Moore and that got made fun of and you did the Viva Mexico thing and that got made fun of like isn't somebody telling him like hey you've got to like like this it's not good man you got to work on the image here but apparently not he's just out here doing his thing I will thank him for uh the pew pew thing I I will admit that in the last uh couple weeks on a golf course after a nice nice shot i might have gone pew 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 and uh, it's nice to incorporate that <laughs> into my uh everyday life how's yes, the I golf game like shield handicap is good uh uh no i'm terrible but uh improving i feel like i, I finished the summer uh strong so did, now did golf you, did you pick up golf recently or am i making that up uh, around the pandemic yeah, yeah okay, was when right. i really started it, to play yeah, yeah, yeah so it's fun. You get to go uh, hang out with your friends. Say, By the way, uh, Tim McManus is one guy who I golf with a lot, and he wrote an awesome piece on Jalen Carter on ESPN. Yeah, good I don't piece. know if you've had a chance to check that out. So, Because uh, it, it, it's good because we're all hyped up about Jalen Carter, and oh my gosh, he's going to break. And it's just like a reminder. Like, not, I mean, there was some of that in there for sure, but it's also like, no, no, no. Like These were legit things that teams were concerned about, including the Eagles, who, not to give the piece away, but just one nugget from the piece. Like, they were deciding the night before Jeffrey Lurie, Howie Roseman, Julian Lurie, and uh, Nick Sirianni mm-hmm. were like, are we keeping this guy on our, our board or are we not keeping this guy on it? Like, this was not a slam dunk. I, I do feel like if he has a monster season and we think he might have a monster season, teams are really, you know, it's going, oh, the Eagles did it again. And they did, to be fair. They decided right. to take the chance. But like every team, even the teams that still had him on their board, had legit concerns about him. So and, and um, I always summer's love, gone great for him though. Yeah, I always love whenever like so like the Eagles took Carter at at at, at nine, ten, nine. Yeah, they traded up nine and traded up. Yeah, whenever that happens, I'm sure I could find it. None comes to mind right now, but I'm positive there was someone who had the like Eagles knew all along that Jalen Carter was going to be their guy. Eagles knew all along that Jalen Carter. They felt great about him for the entire process. A- anytime a team makes any pick injured player off field concerns whatever there's an immediate within 10 minutes there's somebody who's got like a, yeah they've always they've always liked him they always had it and that's what always kills me because the second the eagles took carter they were always comfortable with carter but we all know and you and you we knew at the time we could have inferred then and we certainly know now because of tim's great reporting it's a really good piece no they were they were not always carter the whole time they were right at exactly. the 11th hour carter and hopefully <laughs> yeah. this goes well yeah, it's a, it was a risk uh, risk reward proposition, and uh, to his credit, it seems like the summer has there's been no issues this summer. He was in shape, he was playing well, so expectations are high. All right, that was a nice. Uh, I don't know how we got on that, but that was a nice inst- uh, installment of Gannon Watch. Here's one issue I'm having. 
So I do these picks against the spread on the ringer uh, every week. Uh, thank you for those to those of you who read. And one of my things in week one that I like to do is who are the teams that everyone is just making fun of and hates, and I'm taking that team to cover. Can I do it? No, 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 way too stinky, way too stinky. Absolutely not. Okay. All right. We'll see. I got to write that tomorrow. So we'll see uh, if I get there or not. But hey, uh, our get and watch idea was great because it seems like that's going to be the gift that keeps on giving. It seems like every week, every day, there's something with him. And I will say uh, shout out to the Philly Ringers Philly special because we did not waver in a Super Bowl season where the defense was putting up monster numbers about who we thought was responsible for the defense playing well. And I can't imagine there's another podcast that gave less credit to Jonathan Cannon than this one. And you know what? I feel great about that as we go into the second season of the Ringers Philly special. All right, Cliff, you good? Anything yeah, else? Yeah, shout, shout out to my guy, Jerry, for making it too. I didn't give him a proper shout out last time. So shout out to my guy, Jerry. Uh, Thank Mel, you, Jerry. You know, that's my Jerry. guy. He's, 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 he's my guy for life. We worked at ESPN together. He puts a lot of production together and, uh, he, d- he was kind enough to do that piece for us. So Gannon Watch is going to be rolling all season. There we go. I mean, I couldn't even get words out because of how funny that was. <laughs> asking for people it's to so, there get, we go. It's so get hard to listen bus. to. That might be the first time I've listened to it through the entire way without having to stop because I'm going to control yeah, the player. cringy. I don't yeah. even think college players with the NIL would take the bus to practice anymore. So I don't understand no. what the hell that even means. This guy is clearly out of touch, clearly lost, and I don't – I think the Cardinals are like legitimately doomed. I give them a year and a half. Uh, I'll take the under. Okay. <laughs> Number five. <laughs> Tony, do we think having another mobile offensive lineman in Cam Jurgens on the field and a receiving back like DeAndre Swift, that there will be an uptick in using the screen game? Can they use it as a better option against the Blitz? Uh, let me give you some numbers here, Ben. Uh, last three years, DeAndre Swift is averaging 12 and a half yards per reception on screens. Now, it's a small sample, but he has tw- 275 yards on screens in the last three years. That's fourth most among running backs. Do you know how many yards? This is uh, true media and pro football focus charting. How many yards the Eagles had on running back screens last year? Three. Good guess. Minus eight. Yeah. Like uh, they, they threw what? Like six? Like it, it's not a thing for them. 32nd in the NFL. Yeah. So this has been something we've obviously, we know the O-line can do it. We've seen Jeff Stoutland coach it in the past, but there are some coaches who don't like the running back screen game. Uh, coach Flynn, I remember talking about, uh, about this to him years ago. And he's like, it just takes too much of everything syncing up to be a really good screen team. And that requires yeah. like, a lot of practice and things to go right. And he was like, I think they're kind of overrated. Like, I don't want to be spending uh, that much time on them. On the other hand, you see like, you know, when, it, when it's done well, like an Andy Reid team or a Doug Peterson team, it can be a really big weapon. But I do feel like that comes down to the head coach or whoever's designing and in charge of the offense about whether they want to put in the time uh, to really work on it and get everything synced up. So maybe Nick Sirianni is one of those coaches who's like, this doesn't need to be a big part of our game. Or maybe uh, with DeAndre Swift, with this offensive line, it will be a big part of their game this season. What do you think? I don't think it's going to be, running back screen is going to be a, a much bigger part of their, their game. The point that you made is, I the, agree. The, is the critical one. If you're going to be a good screen team, you have to spend a lot of time practicing it, working on it, and choosing to get to your spots. like. It's a specific call, a specific points in the field, right? 
There was nothing an Andy Reid or Doug Peterson team loved more than getting to the edge of field goal range and calling what? A screen. Why? When it can knock you out of field goal range? I don't know, but they love to do it. Um, so specific areas of the field, specific downs and distances against specific defenses. There's a lot of investment. You need to make sure you're getting something out of that. Obviously, the Eagles are an active screen team to the tight end. They run that delay screen to Dallas Goddard. A little bit of a different cat. A little bit of a, uh, 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 you're asking a different player to do something different. The offensive line behaves a little bit differently. So they can, you know, map that, right? They can take that framework and try to use the backs on it a little bit. But that play works because Goddard stays into pass protect enough that it's legitimate. The Eagles really don't have a back that stays in a pass protect last year. This year, I don't think they got any better in that environment, right? Like Swift and Penny as the additions. Like, it's not like either one of those guys is a real legit threat as a pass protecting back, like a guy you truly respect. Uh, and accordingly, I don't think screen's going to become a big part of their game. Uh, if, if, if you like screens for your team, you typically like them when you're blitzed. And if you are the Eagles, you like A.J. Brown one-on-one against the Blitz. You'll just, take, you'll just take that 25 yards down the field instead of taking a, a throw to, to Rashad Penny three yards behind the line of scrimmage. It's just, it's, it's just good business. I agree. All right, question number six. Dev says, Yo, Ben and Shield, consistent listener here. Question on the theory Ben presents for defensive coordinators. Yes. For those who don't know the theory, you want to r- run through it really quickly because I think you defined it on... Uh, Extra point taken, not like, really special. The grand unified theory of defensive coordinating is that all good defensive coordinators are either one old or two jacked. And that is the whole theory. Your best theory. It's a great theory. You did run through all the names and I was like, yeah, you know what? I think, he, I think he's onto something <laughs> yeah. here. Uh, so Dev says, Sean Desai is neither old nor jacked. So why should Eagles fans feel better about him this season? Now, he's definitely not old. I think he's in pretty good shape. I don't know that yeah. he's jacked, but I think he's in pre- pretty, you know, shout out to the sports Indians who are, you know, hitting, hitting the weight room. So exactly. Give him a shout and that's out the there. thing is, yeah. is what, what, uh, what Dev is forgetting <laughs> about here is the sports Indian corollary, which obviously is part of our grand unified theory of defense coordinators, which is that sports Indians are, 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 it negates like, yes, he's not old, he's not jacked, but he is a sports Indian. So he's back up to neutral. He has a chance to be good because of that. I agree. If you were not a sports Indian and just was like a thin young mm. man, he was a white guy, yeah. No chance he's going to no be chance. a good, good DC. <laughs> but Sports Indian brings him back up to at least neutral. Uh, so shout out Dev for, for, uh, for, for looking out. It's a great question. Um, but as always, make sure you, you read the fine print. Forgot about the uh, Sports Indian corollary there. Sports Indian corollary. I love it. We're off to a great start in 2023. All right. Seven. This has to do with the pod I did with the Bo Wolf. And when, uh, let me, before I get to the question, let me ask you, what is your sort of like breakfast snack lunch routine like when are you eating let's say i guess starting from when you wake up until lunch what is the eating schedule uh it's 2 52 p.m as we record this uh, i haven't no. eaten anything yet <laughs> uh, what really i what were you doing we recorded a pod from 11 to 12 i went and i immediately ate lunch you didn't eat in that window i called my pops i did a little bit of physical therapy <laughs> I drank okay. some coffee and I finished a publish and I played a game of Catan. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I uh, to be young again. I don't like eating is just takes so long and it's such a waste of time. It's so boring. And so oh I generally God. will just I, <laughs> oh my God. I will generally just eat whenever <laughs> my body tells me like I absolutely have to. Um, like but once it's I, almost three o'clock right yeah, now. What but time I feel, did you wake I feel, up today? I feel, I feel good right now. I don't feel bad. 
Um, okay. Wait, no. I ate, I did, when I went to get coffee, I ate half a brownie. So I ate the brownie. There okay. we go. Uh, but that, right. it was it was on the counter. And what am I supposed to do? Not eat it? Um, yeah, so like, I don't know. I'll, at once, once I stop feeling good and start feeling bad, I'll eat. And usually I'll just eat whatever's most readily available. I tend not to be a big believer in like, you have to have these sorts of things for these sorts of meals. Oh, I need a light <laughs> snack. Like, oh, yeah. I don't All know. that nonsense about that yeah, the stuff you need to make your body feel I, good. If I could wake up every okay. morning and push a button and that button would ensure that I was fueled for 24 hours and I didn't taste anything for the rest of my life, I wouldn't heartbeat. It would be so great. Um, oh, my goodness. With that said, oatmeal is nice. So there you go. <laughs> Cliff, I need your I need your take on this uh Cliff, get in here because I know I know you. You are more, you know, you're like you're a young person, but you're. I don't want to say old soul, but you're mature beyond your years. Like I see, you got a nice routine. You're waking up early. You're hitting the gym. You're waiting to have your coffee. What What is the Cliff Augustine eating routine from when you wake up until let's say lunch? All right. So when I you you ready for this? When I wake up, I have like a nice yeah. little detox drink, right? So the first thing I'm drinking when I wake okay. up is. Here, here's the key. Is people. that homemade or Listen is that up. bought? Yeah, homemade, homemade. Listen up. Okay. This is going to cost like $30 okay. at any other little juice joint, but apple cider vinegar. I'm very excited. Cucumbers, uh, lemon, and ginger. That's the mixture to start the day. And then I'll have like a little shit, bit. So you, Cliff's out here concocting. <laughs> this is awesome. I found it online. I've never it. been more interested in a topic on this pod. All right. Yeah. So you throw all those into a blender with, are you just yeah. doing water? Are you doing like a coconut water? What's the liquid? Yeah, I do. I do regular water with it. Right. So I just mix all that up. Right. And then okay. I'm at the gym. So, so you're I'm, buying all that produce at the store. Yes. Yes. This is like, mind you, this produce, okay. like the cost right. of it will probably be what it costs just from one shake, just for you to go to the store and buy that shake. Okay. So that's what I have in the morning. Right. And then right. typically that gives me enough Very energy. I'm at, the, I'm at the gym, right? Let's say like I get the workout done pretty early enough in the morning time. I come back, give me some egg whites and some turkey. And we make that into a nice little flatbread. And that's a good little wow. breakfast. But I have the protein shake right after okay. I work out. So therefore, I'm having my protein right after I work out. If I got time for breakfast, then I'm good with that. I'll roll some breakfast, right? And then later in the day... Isn't this exhausting? Hold on. Like this is just, yeah. there's no, so many this sounds things great. going on. <laughs> very interesting. Much. Hold on now. The protein shake is that also yeah. homemade? Is that just it is. two scoops it is, yeah. into a liquid, or are you throwing other stuff? No, no nothing else in there. Nothing okay. crazy in there. Just like some frozen fruit if I have time, or sometimes I bring it to the gym. I'll just okay. bring the shaker bottle and I bring it. I bring a shaker bottle with me and I'll have uh, yeah once a uh, couple scoops of uh, collagen peptides and one scoop of just regular isolate protein. So it's like fifty grams Whoa. of protein. Yeah, Look at yeah this yeah. guy. And then, okay. <laughs> so then we do that, right? And then lunchtime, typically, uh, I have some type of chicken, some type of turkey, some type of fish. And that's the same for dinner time as well. Some type of protein-based thing with just like some carbs in there. And then we'll call it a day. And I'll be good for the day. And then when I snack, like I'll have, I have like, yeah, I got, I go to Costco. So I got these like protein uh, uh, bar type thingies going on here that are cleaner, not like the BS ones that they be selling. So those have about like twenty grams. All of right, so you got to send me that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So that's, you that's send, send me what what yeah. kind you get. Yeah, that's like the day of eating, okay. and then that's sometimes, great. yeah, sometimes if I'm coming back from the gym, I'll go to uh, one of these stores out here in New York. They call them bodegas, but I don't, I don't call them that. I just call them the store, corner store. And uh, I'll get me a wrap. Why? Why? Turkey. Wait. Why are you anti bodega? 
because in Philly it's a different term. So like I'm not I refuse uh. to assimilate to the New York culture where they call it a bodega. I'm like when <laughs> yes, people call sir. it a bodega, yeah. When people call it a bodega, I'm like I don't know what that is. I tell them that all, the, all my friends out here. Chris, <laughs> <laughs> like I have no idea what you're talking about. Please yeah, refer like, to your ass corner story. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know what the bodega is. So in Philly we call it something different. And uh, and uh, I go to the store sometimes. I get a wrap, whole wheat turkey lettuce tomato or chicken so just that's kind of like the day of eating for me really i don't really switch up from that routine at all fantastic there you go so listeners listen you want to you want to look and feel like cliff which most (laughs) of you should want to do yes that's the that's the routine you need to follow so here's the question from dan dan says we heard a lot about mid-morning snacks recently there are three qualities that i can think of for what is important for snacks at work taste healthiness, portability. Which workday snack best hits this trifecta? Feel free to add criteria beyond this. So, uh, all right. So my routine is this. Now I, I don't make, I make a different drink than Cliff. I do a little smoothie. You're putting banana, spinach, almond butter, uh, cinnamon, cacao nibs, chia seeds, a a, a little, a little protein, little protein powder, and then an unsweetened almond milk. I've literally had this for breakfast every day that I'm home for probably like the last seven or eight years. I'm going to make it. Geez. I'm going to make seven it. Eight eight years? Send me the recipe. Yeah, I don't miss it. I don't get it. tired of it. Seven, it's, eight it's, years of the same thing? I don't get tired of it. It's Damn. great. I mean, I, it's, it's, listen, it's a, so that's what I have for breakfast now. Mid-morning snack is very difficult because I find that we don't go somewhere work. So that's going to be different. Back when I went to work in my uh, mid-20s, when I went to philly.com, I would have a special K box at my desk. I would have milk in the fridge and I would literally eat special K for breakfast. Special K is great. Uh, Now, listen, when you get older, you're not going to be able to do dairy. So enjoy your milk while you can there. (laughs) Almond milk. Almond milk. milk. You can do a little almond milk. So the mid-morning snack is tough because I basically will walk to the kitchen and go, what's easiest right now? Maybe we have a little sliced mango in the fridge. All right, this is perfect. Maybe someone left out a little coffee cake on the counter. I shouldn't eat this, but it's right there. What am I going to do? Not eat it? Of course I'm going to eat it. So I do that. So I don't have a great mid-morning snack for you. Now, when Cliff mentioned protein bars, theoretically that's good. But all these protein bars, either they have 15 grams of sugar, they got some weird sugar alcohol. I can't, I'm not having those sugar substitutes that's going to kill me. What are you, nuts? So if anyone has like a good bar, I need a nice healthy bar that's going to taste good that I can eat as my mid-morning snack. There you go. Ben is like so ready to move on. I've never seen him more disinterested. Cliff, me and you, Cliff, me and you will do a food corner once a a week or something. This is so much energy, so much (laughs) mental effort. You know what I'm doing when y'all are thinking about this? I'm in the film room, baby. I'm grinding, all right? I'm watching the tape. I'm dialed in on the Eagle season. Says the guy who didn't watch any preseason film whatsoever. I'm just, I watched, I didn't watch the games live. I would watch them afterwards. I uh, shovel whatever fuel is closest to me into my face hole, and I get into the tape. That's what we do uh, over here. There you go. All right. You got to get not, your wife forward to the feedback. You got to get your wife to get you on a more routine thing going on here, because that's, no, that's is, not good for this you. This is my. This was the. She's best. probably a creature of routine, isn't she? It is the best part about getting married. It's incredible. All she does is just choose what I'm gonna eat. It's such a relief. It's <laughs> insane. Like I, she brought up Special K, and I was like, oh, I love Special K. I haven't had Special K in years. Why? Because my wife doesn't really like cereal, so I just haven't had cereal in like three and a half years. It just isn't in the house. 
And so I don't, but I would love to get some special K, but I'm not going to go out and actively pursue that. It's just going to happen to me at some point. No, it's the best. It's a, Mayor always tells a story. She came visit me in college once. And the only thing in my fridge was, uh, uh, it was a Tupperware of rice and salsa. And she was like, what do you do with this? And I was like, it's very straightforward. What do you mean what do I do with this? The salsa goes in the rice. Like, I don't, what are we talking about right now? I, I just don't. I, I don't want to think about food at all. I want it to be presented to me. I want to consume it. I want to move forward. Uh, I do enjoy that. If Yeah, if that were, like, and, and my wife does do a lot of it, but uh, I yeah. do need it to be She loves to I cook. Like she's it. an incredible Appreciate cook, yeah. and I devastate her constantly because she's like, hey, like, taste this. Isn't this so good? Isn't this so unique? And I'm like, I don't know what's different about this. And she's like, there's, like, oh saffron. God. And I'm like, what is, I don't know. I got nothing for you here. I don't have a sense of smell, so I can't, I can't taste anything. And so I don't know. It's, oh. it's useless to me. Amazing segment. All right, we're going to have to bring that back. All right, thank you. I don't know if we even answered your question, Dan. I don't know. Whatever's easiest for the yeah, He got what snack, he wanted out of that But I'm with question. you. Yeah. I, I need one also. So if somebody has a suggestion for nice, I'm talking like 10, 1030, 10, 10, too early for lunch. I like an early lunch. That's too early for lunch. After I've had my smoothie uh, while I'm drinking my coffee, I'm all ears. All right, let's get to this matchup. Question number eight. What are we looking for? This is my question. In the Eagles offense versus the Patriots defense matchup oh my it feels like so long since we've answered the question like this ben an opponent how they match up where are you starting with this question what are you keeping an eye on uh patriots offense excuse me patriots defense tends to really struggle against mobile quarterbacks that's been a a line for the belichick defense now for a few years uh they'll have their good games right they they absolutely they'll have they'll have moments struggle is a relative term for a belichick defense but you've seen Lamar have success against this defense multiple times. Justin Fields had a great primetime game against this defense Monday Night Football uh, last season. It's a man coverage defense, right? And so you can just burn that 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 group by being able to scramble, get outside the pocket. Man coverage tends to struggle against quarterback scramble. Uh, and it's a, it's a front that does well against the run, right? They they can hang around. They, Matt Judon's a great edge setter. They have a, a great plug-in linebacker, Jawan Bentley. But the interior defensive line is really not as strong as I think we've seen in, in previous Patriots years. Still have some talent, um, but it is susceptible. You expect to be able to run the ball well on, on this group when you have that numbers advantage of that mobile quarterback. And so I'm looking for an active Jalen Hurts running game for sure. I think he's going to be very involved carrying the football. I think it, the Brian Johnson aspect of the offense, I wouldn't be surprised if we get a little bit more designed QB run than we did out of the Steichen aspect of the offense. And then the other thing you're looking for is uh, what, what you get from uh, A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith against these corners. Because like I said, this is a man coverage defense. And generally, the Patriots do have the ability to to play tight coverage. You have uh, uh, Jack Jones, Jonathan Jones, and then presumably rookie Christian Gonzalez starting on the outside. Now, Gonzalez, we don't know much about how he's going to play. He's obviously a first-round pick. He's a solid player. Jonathan Jones is a good cover man, right? Uh, so this, this is man coverage with a good outside corner. And you expect A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith to continuously win that matchup. So if the Eagles are at a spot where the running game isn't working and they are struggling a little bit, that's where you go back to your basics and you say, okay, they're going to give us a one-on-one with our star guys on the outside against their star guy. We expect to be able to win that. That's what we did last season. We'd like to do that again. Uh, and so even uh, I expect this to be a running game. I expect the Eagles to succeed running the football. But if they don't, I think you can go attack that one-on-one and expect to win those matchups. So two big things I'm looking for there when we, uh, when we kick things off week one. Yeah, they were fifth in defensive DVOA last year. Of the 13 players who played at least 400 snaps for them, 12 are back. The only one who's not back is kind of a big one, Devin McCourty. Like you mentioned, they play a lot of single high coverages. 
He was their single high safety. Who's going to fill that role now? We actually don't know. It could be Jalen Mills, former Eagle uh, Jalen Mills. We don't know how they're going to deploy those guys, who's going to play free safety for them. So that's something uh, to keep an eye on. In terms of man coverage, it's interesting. They were still uh, top eight in the NFL last year. I think they were seventh. But the overall percentage has dropped down just because the trend in the NFL has been to play less man coverage. So they were a little more varied last year, but uh, you're right. They're still going to finish uh, top 10, whereas in previous years, they were probably uh, top three or something like that. So uh, I think this is a good defense. I don't think it's a great defense. You know, they were number one in EPA on takeaways last year. That's hard to count on. They had the fourth best injury luck. Now that doesn't really matter for this game because they're pretty healthy uh, for this game. Good edge rushers, Matthew Judon, Josh Uche, both played well for them uh, last year. Other good players up front, Dietrich Wise, Christian Barmore. So I think it's a formidable front. I think it's a well-coached front, obviously. And then in the secondary, to your point, like I think we both liked Christian Gonzalez a lot in the draft, but he's a rookie corner. So we'll see what he looks like here in his first game. They do have a lot of versatility there. They'll play dime. They'll play seven defensive backs. Um, so they will mix it up quite a bit. I think Belichick will come into this game saying, let's play single high. Let's stop the run. And so to me, this is a big guys on the outside, AJ Brown, Devontae Smith against those corners. Who's winning their one-on-one matchups uh, against those corners? Do they spy Jalen Hurts? Do they double AJ Brown on third down in the red zone? Those are all things yeah. uh, to keep an eye on. I sort of feel like it's going to be, it could be a big Devontae Smith uh, game if they are playing uh, you know, a good degree of man, or even if they're playing cover three and want to match up a specific guy to AJ Brown, I think Devonte Smith could win his uh, matchups on the outside and maybe be their leading receiver for this game. Yeah. The, uh, it's funny because when you look at the Patriots depth chart and you see a guy like Kyle Duggar, who's a safety, but he plays up in the box and he's legit 215, 220. You say to yourself, like, this is the sort of guy who should be able to be like a Jalen Hurts solver for them. Like you brought up the spy yeah, right. Like, let's leave Kyle Duggar at the second level. Let's leave him be responsible for Jalen Hurts. And he's a guy who has the velocity, the, the explosiveness to catch up to Jalen, but also the size and the physicality to bring him down. They just tend not to like to do that, right? Like they, 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 Belichick tends to not like playing that way. And he might, against Hurts, really say, like, all right, beat us as a thrower. I'm coming out here and I'm stopping the run. I'm not letting you get outside of the pocket. Uh, and, and, and really lean Duggar in, into doing that, lean Adrian Phillips into doing that. And I, I would, like, I would get it. Like, it would make sense. Like, that's honestly, that wouldn't be a surprising approach, and it'd probably be a good approach. You're they're leaving Christian Gonzalez against Smith or A.J. Brown. That's how the Eagles get you, yeah. right? You, you can run the right stuff and even, like, have the unique personnel that, like, actually lets you do that. Like, most teams can't just be like, oh, our weak side linebacker slash strong safety, uh, Kyle Duggar's going to spy, you know, like, uh, he's going to spy Jalen Hurts. Most teams don't have a Kyle Duggar, so most teams can't even do the right things. They don't have the personnel. But with the Eagles, even when you do the right thing, they can kind of get you in the other spot. And so that's why, like, I wouldn't, like, the line is three and a half. I wouldn't be surprised if the Eagles offense just struggles, like, a little bit more than people expect. I think this Patriots defense was really good last season. Like you said, most returning starters, uh, there's been so much hype for the Eagles this offseason. I wouldn't be surprised if they're a little bit flatter on offense than people think. But I do think they just have, they have so many solutions, right? That, that you think, okay, even if they get you on the first thing, you, sh- you should be able to get them on the second thing, get them on the third thing, be able to adjust in game and go. Yeah, I think, and we always talk about the Eagles offensive line being a strength. I think this is a game where they could have some issues 
upfront with pass pro just because you're starting uh, a new guard in cam Jurgens. the patriots aren't just like hey line up four down and rush they're going to run stunts they're going to run disguise they're going to show you uh different things sim pressures and blitzes and all that stuff so this is like not an easy defense to prepare for in terms of pass protection and you know i think Dickerson and Mylata had some issues with that kind of thing at times last year. There are certain pass rushers that give Mylata uh, some issues there on the left side. So if you're telling me, hey, Shield, the Eagles only score uh, 20 points in this game, what's the reason why? I would say it's because the pass pro was actually having some issues here. I think if they can block them up, uh, like you said, I think they have enough solutions where they're going to be able to move the football and put up points. All right, question number nine. What are we looking for in the other matchup? Patriots offense versus the Eagles defense. What do you got? Yeah, uh, may, might be one of those games <laughs> where you kind of wish you had a little, little, little John Gannon, little just hey, sit on the pass, make them run it. Cause it's gonna be RPOs like crazy, right? Like the Bill O'Brien offense now comes to New England. Uh, the expectation when you when you talk to Patriots beat writers and 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 kind of read the reports out of camp is that O'Brien, who was a huge RPO guy in college, huge RPO RPO guy in the NFL. He's going to bring that back for Mac, right? Who obviously succeeded a lot with that at Alabama. Okay, so uh, Eagles defense gets the run pass option. With Sean Desai, it's a bit of a question mark, right? You don't exactly know, okay, how's he going to line up? How deep are these safeties going to be? How passive are these linebackers going to be? What's he going to want to get beat by? What's he going to be okay getting beat by? Uh, and so the, there's there's a huge question mark there. Uh, again, like talking about coming out a little bit flat, your Super Bowl hangover and all that. I will be not a least bit surprised if this thing starts out like seven nothing Patriots. And that first draft of the Patriots looks like nice and smooth just because you're going to mm. see a totally different offense from what you saw last year for the Patriots. And probably then you saw O'Brien run the last time he was in the NFL, right? Like it's good. There's just going to be inherently changes and it's a nifty and annoying offense because it's so option based, right? It, it just kind of gets you in the wrong spot post snap. Uh, and typically when we talk about RPOs, we're talking about plays that pick on linebackers, safeties and nickels. What we've been talking about is the Eagles' weakness on defense. Where have all the changes been? They've been a linebacker and safety. Uh, and so I think that the, the number one thing you're looking, you're, you're watching out for and you're paying attention to is that RPO game, that quick passing game, the ability for the Patriots to make the numbers right and, and to find your weak spots. So I think they're going to move the ball well. I think they're going to be efficient. The, when we get to long and late, when we get to third and seven, uh, Eagles' defense got a big advantage. you got to be able to get off this field, right? Uh, you're looking at Riley Reef, uh, the Patriots starting right tackle uh, out on IR. He's not going to play in this game. Mike Nwenu, the Patriots starting right guard, has been banged up. He's a question mark for this game if memory serves. Left tackle Trent Brown, I think, is going to play. I think I saw that was official. I forgot to check this. I think that's right. Yeah, yeah. I saw. I, I, I had it in my notes. Like check this, and I forgot to. Um, so yeah, so you you expect to see a backup at right tackle. You expect to see uh, a young player slash banged up player at right, at right guard. You, and then Trent Brown, who like he was okay in 2022, but is not the same player he used to be. Like you have to be able to on your long and late downs when they can't RPO you, and, and Mac's gonna have to hold the football. It's a get home game, right? I mean, Mac ain't beating you scrambling, right? Uh, he he can manage the pocket pretty well, but he's gonna stay there. You gotta be able to get home with four. You have to be able to to to, uh, to win with your rushes, and and you expect the Eagles to against this offensive line. And so I think it's gonna be a high sack game. I think it's gonna be an instance where the Patriots move the ball. And they can stay ahead of the sticks. I think they'll run it well with Ramondre. I think their running games can be solid this year. But then when they get uh, on third and long, they can't really beat you. They don't have the, the pass catchers to do that either. Devontae Parker, Juju Smith-Schuster. It's just not like a, a, a super terrifying group. So it's okay. Survive. Get that TFL. Get that penalty. Get to that third and long. And then win that down. You should be okay. 
Yeah, I think if we zoom out, the biggest mismatch in this game is probably going to be the Eagles pass rush against the Patriots offensive line. Like Ben mentioned, backup right tackle, uh, Cole Strange, their their second year guard just returned to practice. Uh, their starting guard, you don't know uh, if he's going to play. So uh, they'll have their center, veteran center, David Andrews, veteran left tackle in Trent Brown. And the other three spots are really a question mark now. I think the Patriots are going to know this going in. I think their whole game plan will be, we cannot get wrecked by this pass rush. I think they're going to want to run the football. And I think they're going to want to get the ball out of Mac Jones's hands. Like you mentioned, RPOs, uh, quick game. I do not expect Mac Jones to be holding uh, that football. So if you're the Eagles, you have to say, well, how can you make him uh, hold on to that football? Can you fool him? Can you show disguise? Can you, uh, do you press a little bit with your corners on the outside? I mean, you've got those corners against uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, Kendrick Bourne, and Devontae Parker. Like You should like your matchup, your mm-hmm. three corners, against those three players. So uh, I am interested to see how uh, Sean Desai kind of attacks this offense, how aggressive he's going to be, what he does to force Mac Jones to hold on to the ball. I will be disappointed if the Patriots are stringing together long drives where they're picking up yardage on first and second down and you know they're uh, converting third and shorts and and uh, they're moving the even if they're not scoring touchdowns because uh, I do think you have a talent advantage here where you really can be aggressive. This is a big N'Kobe Dean game of the bat like you mentioned there that you the RPO RPOs and Ramondre Stevenson, I think is, might be the Patriots, you know, is the Patriots, I think best offensive player. Like he's a very uh, good back. So N'Kobe Dean and whoever else is playing linebacker next to him, uh, they're going to be tested right away. But I, I do like the Eagles talent advantage here with their defense going up against that Patriots offense. All right. Score predictions. Benjamin Solak. I was just like the first time I was like, oh shoot. All right. I got to start making game predictions and right. picks against the spread and all that stuff is back. Eagles were three and a half point favorites. Let me double check here to make sure. Eagles that are still, still three and a half case. point favorites. Yep. Three and a half point, three and a half point favorites on FanDuel. What do you think? Who wins and what's the score? Yeah. Three and a half point favorites. Uh, the total is at 45 points, which means that they're expecting roughly a 21, 24, 20 to 24, 21, 25 sort of a game. Uh, I think that the Eagles are likely to cover. I think that the Eagles are probably going to win this game about six to nine points. I think they'll be able to win it by a possession. I do think that the under here is more of the look. The line, like I said, is 45. It is juiced to the under. It's one of the lower totals. Uh, I wouldn't take it here at, at 45 particularly, but I do like this to be like a 23 to 13, 23 to 16 sort of a game. I think you're going to see some... Kings for the Eagles to iron out. I don't think it's going to be a perfect debut. I don't think like, you know, dominant, you know, run up the score sort of a situation. I do think the Patriots have some teeth on defense. I think they have some teeth in that in that that new offense and, and some of the surprise factors there do like some of their weapons. And so I think that they're going to be able to keep it close and 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 push the Eagles for three quarters. But I think by the fourth quarter, the time comes around, the Eagles talent's going to going to win out. So give me like 23, 16 Eagles win over the Patriots. Yeah, I was tempted to pick a blowout, but I couldn't quite get there. Just, I mean, two new coordinators, six new starters, uh, five, six new starters on defense, a new starter on the offensive line. You're on the road. Uh, So I've got Eagles covering, but I've got it at 24-20. Eagles, Belichick, you'll see a lot of numbers about how good he is as an underdog covering the spread, and especially as a home underdog. He's over 60% on both of those. But I checked since Tom Brady left nine and 14 against the spread uh, as an underdog three and five at home. So sort of feels like that was more of a Brady stat than a. She also said, check the stats, baby. 
Yeah, you got to look at the last three years. It's time to make some picks against the spread. So I've got the Eagles to uh, cover. It wouldn't surprise me if they won by more. I mean, I think they're definitely the more talented team. And I think, like I said, if they can block those guys, uh, I think they're going to have answers offensively. All right. Season prediction, Benjamin Solak, what do you have for regular season record, regular season finish, and playoff finish, unless you have them missing the playoffs, for the 2023 Philadelphia Eagles? Yeah, I think they're going to make the playoffs there. <laughs> I think I, I think they'll be all right. <laughs> I think they'll win the division. I do think it's going to be extremely close. I think the, this Cowboys team is really, really talented. I think they made the right offseason moves. I expect this to be a tough, tough, tough fight for the division. Uh, I gave the Eagles winning the division at 12 and 5, in, but also in our season prediction episode, our NFC uh, playoff prediction episode on Extra Boy Taken, I had the Cowboys beating the Eagles in the NFC Championship game and going to the Super Bowl. Now, I did that as a hedge because I didn't like looking at Chiefs-Eagles repeat on my on my little playoff predictor. That scared me a lot. Uh, that felt like bad juju. Uh, the Eagles should feel like a Super Bowl contender over the course of the season. They should feel like one of the NFC contenders and a team that is going to make it through. And then it comes down to how they perform in, in, in the playoffs. I'm going to say they lose in the conference championship because it's really hard to go back to the Super Bowl the year after you lost it last time it happened was i think you said in the 90s when we were last once talking. in the last 20 years yeah. no it, it uh the patriots lost it to the eagles and then went back, back the next, next year. year yeah so it's yeah. a challenging thing to do so i'm gonna say they lose in the conference championship round i'm gonna say it's a great season for them um but as we all know it's just really hard to make a playoff run it takes a lot of luck the eagles had a lot of luck last year doesn't mean they won't have it again but it's it's a challenging thing to do so i think it's gonna be a real tough season but a real good season I'm excited to see how the eagles perform yeah, I have them at 11 and 6. I also have the Cowboys at 11 and 6. I have the Eagles uh winning the division via tiebreak. I really wanted I went into this thinking I need to pick another NFC team to get to the Super Bowl and I decided I'm not picking Mike McCarthy. I'm not picking a Brock Purdy Sam Darnold team to get to the Super Bowl and I don't like any of these other teams like the Lions or Seahawks enough. Uh, to have them as my sleeper. So I've got the Eagles getting back to the Super Bowl. That's the good news, the bad news for you listening. I've got the Eagles losing the Super Bowl to the Cincinnati Bengals are my Super Bowl champion. So uh, I think the Eagles are a really good team. I think their schedule is tougher uh, this year. I think, like you said, the randomness, the luck, I think is going to work uh, against them a little bit. So I don't think it's going to come as easy as it came last year, but uh, I think Hertz is going to be awesome. I think he's going to be a top five MVP candidate. I have no questions. Uh, well, I shouldn't say no questions. Obviously, I have some <laughs> questions, but uh, I believe in him uh, continuing to ascend and being really good. I think their defense takes a pretty significant step back. And so 11-6, beat the Cowboys in the NFC Championship game and lose to the Bengals in the Super Bowl. Uh, so, uh, Clef, if you had to choose losing the conference championship or make it to the Super Bowl only to lose again, which would you choose? And then we need your prediction. I was going to call you on anyway. Oh, yeah. There you go. See, because I heard a lot of cat from y'all talking about some. It's hard to do. <laughs> it's hard to repeat. It's hard to run it back. And listen, man, I'm just hearing a lot of excuses, a lot of going down to the math. Like, what is this, the BCS championship? Come on, bro. Like, they're going back to the Super Bowl. We Let's be honest with ourselves right here. Let's be honest. They have the best team in the NFC. The only way that they don't go back to the Super Bowl is just because of health. We are the better team, the superior team in the NFC. I do not like the Dallas Cowboys as much as you guys want to praise the Cowboys as much as Ben wants them to be in the Super Bowl and as much as I you want, guys I, I be definitely right want here. a Cowboys Super Bowl. That's the thing I want in my life for sure. <laughs> as much as 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 much as Ben wants his predictions to be right, Shell, as much as you want to bring up the fact that in the last twenty years there's only been one team to go back to the Super Bowl after uh, losing 
well, just to go back to back to Super Bowl, um, yeah, in consecutive losing, years, yeah, the losing, yeah, yeah, in consecutive years, and like I said, like the, I think the competition's gotten worse in the NFC. If anything, like to to me, the Cowboys, the Cowboys are a rather decent franchise, and they have a pretty good team, and they are in our division. But I think that gives us even better reason to run it back because we have the ability to beat them twice this season. And like you said, she'll win out on the tiebreakers and get possibly that number one seed in the NFC again and get that home field advantage. So I'm not even the least bit concerned. I think the Eagles run it back. I think they're going to the Super Bowl. Listen, we can play the numbers game. We can do all that, but there's not a lot of competition in the NFC. And I, I will say this though, Shil, I like I like the Bengals pick. I like that Bengals pick. I think they come out the okay. NFC as well. I was going to ask you. Yeah. I was going to ask you, do the Eagles win? Now, I know you said get back. Do they win it this time or do they not win it this time? I got to, you know, I got to pin you listen, down on that. Listen, I'm not just going to let that go. Now y'all know what's going to happen. Eagles. <laughs> it, y'all remember, y'all, y'all remember that Super Bowl when, 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 uh, when Joe Burrow, he got flushed out the pocket and he had Aaron Donald was running down on him and then he had to throw up a little prayer and it didn't work out. That's exactly That's what's going to happen. But except year? this time, it's okay. going to be Jalen Carter running up the middle. There it is. Game. The game is at what? 24-21. The Bengals need something desperate to go down the field. Jalen Carter rushes Joe Burrow. He puts the uh, points out his ring finger in his rookie year. Redemption story. So, listen, man. Th- this is set up like this. I'm telling y'all. This is going to happen. What did Arian Foster say? The NFL is already scripted. That's how it's scripted. That's what's going to happen. I promise y'all. The Eagles are going back to the Super Bowl. They're going back to the world and they're winning it. Let's do this. Listen, that's why Cliff's the GOAT producer. He's already predicting the actual final play of the Super Bowl uh, where the Eagles win it. I love it. We can run this back after the Eagles uh, beat the Bengals. She, the see, she'll, she'll like, she'll loves this idea of like, oh, predicting the play that they win the Super Bowl on because the whole Brandon Graham thing. He's like, this is a thing that people yeah, do. You're, yeah, you're, you're darn right. Yeah, you got to call your shot. I mean, I'm not confident enough to do it on September 5th, but I like that Cliff is. All right. Those are our predictions for the 2023 Philadelphia Eagles. I'm going to come back later this week. We'll figure out uh, what we're doing. I think we're going to try to do some Phillies later this week and see if there's any Eagles news to touch on. And then Benny Souls will join me Sunday after Eagles Patriots. We will recap week one, what happens in that game. So there you go. We've made it. We are here. We are days away from the NFL opener. We are days away from the Eagles opener against the New England Patriots. Thank you to Benjamin Solak. Thank you to Cliff Augustine, as always, for producing. Check out Ben's piece on The Ringer this week. Check out my piece uh, on The Ringer this week. If you want more NFL talk, head over to the Ringer NFL feed where we're doing extra point taken twice a week. All right. Everyone, have a good week. We will talk to you in a few days on the Ringers Philly Special. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXT STEP to 53342 in Arizona. 
1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana, visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York.